where doubts arise and fears dismay, though some may dwell where these abound. My prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table lamb, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts and me are hurled, for faith has called the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I've found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table and a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, if you'll open your Bibles with me this evening to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter number 15, cantata season is upon us, and so uh, for the month of November and December, uh, me and Daryl decided to forego the special music, but we're not going to forego the preaching, amen? So we're going to open up the Bible, and we're going to preach, uh, but we won't have any special music so we can get right into uh, cantata practice, and uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Brother Harry, I was preaching that revival last week, and uh, Jonathan Buckner stood me up, okay, he didn't show up, so I was pretty mad at him about that, so I had a bad attitude right out the gate. Monday night, they brought in another group to sing, right, and I thought, who are these jokers, you know, you know? but anyway, before the guy even started singing, he started giving his testimony, Brother Harry. And he said, I didn't grow up with a dad. And he said, my mom was a drug addict. And I lived pretty much on the streets. And at a pretty young age, I started run, running with gangs. And he said, I got caught up in a motorcycle gang. And he said, one night when I was 18 years old, I was stumbling out of a bar. And he said, there was a piece of paper on the ground. And it caught my eye. And he said, I reached down and I picked it up. And it was a gospel track. And he said, I read it, and he said, I don't know how God did it, but he sobered me and saved me all at the same time. <laughs> and he gave his testimony, and he said, ever since then, I've lived my life for the Lord. And he had his family. It was a family group singing. He said, this is my family, and the Lord saved me, and I want to serve the Lord. And I thought of you immediately, Harry. I was like, Harry would like this guy. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 
the seed will find the good ground, won't it? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. All right, Romans chapter number 15. We're going to start reading in verse number 14, and we're going to read down uh, to the end of the chapter, and we're going to make mention of all of this tonight. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I really, I'm not sure. We're going to, I'm pretty sure I can preach this tonight, and next Wednesday we'll preach from chapter 16. And I'm so excited to preach from chapter 16. What a passage it is. But anyway, Romans chapter 15, verse number 14, the Bible says this. And I myself also, Paul speaking, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrium I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the, Lord Jesus, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, <coughs> which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed." Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for the word of God tonight. You know that on my heart, dear God, you've placed a very specific message. 
Dear Lord, we come to the end of a book like this and sometimes we see final greetings. Sometimes we see the plans that are to be made and, and, uh, and we can just look at it and go, yep, Paul's letting them know what he's doing and where he's going. And while that's true, dear God, we still believe that this is the word of God. And so for that reason, you have preserved it for over 2,000 years, that we would read it tonight, that it would be a witness to our hearts tonight, that God has something to tell us in these passages of Scripture. They're not just for historical context. They're not just for geographical ideas of where Paul would be. But dear God, they are good for reproof and for doctrine and for correction that we may be thoroughly furnished to do the good works of God. So help us tonight. Let us use your word wisely and let us be careful with it. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. <coughs> to just take a look at, again, like I said, the Apostle Paul here at the end of this chapter and it's easy to look at the end of chapter 15 and it's easy to look at chapter 16 and go, well, Paul's just saying hello to everybody that he knows at Rome. And when we go to chapter number 16, you're going to see that Paul knows a lot of people at a church that he's never even been to. And that's really good too. And I'm not trying to steal that thunder yet, but, but that's, that's an amazing thing as well. But he's not just saying hello He's not just doing those things. There's a specific purpose. And I want us to look at that tonight. I want us to remember the fact that as Paul has closed out the end of, or the middle of chapter 15, he has preached to them about the, about the goodness of God and how they should be coming together and there should be unity in that church and all of those type of things. Rocky, are you coming straight up here? Man, you're all right, Rocky. <coughs> Amen. I knew Eric had that boy for a reason. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rocky. I appreciate it. <coughs> so, Paul wrote it for a reason. And he's already finished up with the, the unity between the Gentiles and the believers, the love that they should have for each other. And as he finishes that encouragement and he puts that in, then he comes into this passage of Scripture. And notice what he says. Verse number 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you. I'm persuaded of you. I believe in you. I know that God has done a work in you. If you were to go in a little bit of detail with that word there, persuaded of you, it also means that Paul would say that I'm satisfied with what God has done in you. God has done a work in you, and it has fully persuaded me that you have put your faith and trust in God. He's talking about the unity that's going to be there. He's like, you can do this, guys. I know that you can. If anybody can make this happen, you can. And I want to stop on that just for a minute. And I want us to look at this premise, okay, when we come to that. That being persuaded of them 
and being satisfied with their walk with Jesus. And I want us to look at this premise that he's going to pull together in this passage of Scripture, what he believes about them, okay? And here's the premise. Being persuaded in someone else's relationship with Christ is one of the most satisfying and joyful things that we can experience on this earth. And I mean that in the context of discipling someone. Did you get that? Yeah, I hope you did. In other words, if I lead someone to Christ, okay, and they get saved, and not only then do they get saved, but I see them walk with the Lord and grow in the Lord, and I see the fruits of the Spirit in their life, uh, and I become persuaded that they have a relationship with Christ like my relationship with Christ that I know is real and I know what I got. And I know, don't get me wrong here, it doesn't have to look exactly the same, but what I am persuaded of in them is that they love Jesus Christ. They love God the Father. It's flowing out of them. That is a great place to be. It's satisfying. Now, I understand that by the world's terms, that's not all that satisfying. You might even be saying, Mike, I'm satisfied with my own salvation, and that's enough for me. But I just want to remind you, though, that the Word of God has clearly commanded us that we're to be witnesses as soon as we get saved, amen, and we're to make disciples. And whether it be our, just our own children or whether it be in our family, we have an obligation, we have a job, we have something that God has commanded us to do to go out and make disciples. And I believe that when God commands us to do something that there is going to be a result in that and the result is gratification in our soul, satisfaction in our God and joy inside of us for what God is doing. I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. Those of us that are parents in here can give a big hearty amen right there as we see our children and grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It is satisfying to our soul. Like nothing else. It, there's, I, I can't think of it. And I understand. There's <laughs> Satisfaction comes in... Some people are harder to please than others. You know what I mean? I remember I was hunting rabbits with Lee Nouse one day, and everybody's dog was running away, and Lee Nouse called his dog, and it came back. And Lee Nouse said, I got a three-speed bike and a dog that'll listen to me. I'm a happy man, Mike. That's what he said. I'm a happy man. It didn't take too much to make him happy, but some of us it takes a whole lot more. But I want you to understand this, that God knows explicitly what makes us happy? Because he knows how to speak to the divine soul inside of us. He can speak to the heart, and he can speak to the empty, and he can speak to the void, and he knows what satisfies. And he's showing us in this passage of scripture that guess what? If we see that in someone else, someone we've discipled, someone we've been a part of, maybe not, not directly, but, but because of our ministry, uh, maybe even because of our giving. There's nothing that's, you ought, to, you ought to make your way back there and read those prayer letters 
and see the testimonies of our missionaries who are seeing souls saved on the field. And if you can't, if you read them Honduras letters, they're seeing souls saved on the field. Little Joseph is already sending, or Samuel, excuse me, Samuel's sending us back all the time where he's seeing folks saved on their bus route and their church is growing already. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know that we have been a part of that ministry? There's satisfaction in that. There's joy in that. God knows that this is where it's found. This is where it... So that's our premise tonight, that this persuasion, this, this knowing in the life of someone else, it is satisfying to the soul. It is good for the soul. And here's what we... This is just part of the introduction real quick. But in verse number 14, he gives us the things that we will see in them. Notice what he says. He says, I am fully or I am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also, number one, you're full of goodness. That's what we'll see in the life of those that we understand that when they get saved and they start to live for God. And we could go back through the book of uh, Romans, but we don't have to do it. It means they put off all of those works of iniquity and those vile things and they have put on themselves Christ and they look to work the works of righteousness uh, and they do those things that are pleasing to God out of the right heart. They are full of goodness. And when we see a person living that type of life, not under their own power, mind you, but under the direction of the Holy Ghost, it thrills our heart. Not only are they full of goodness, but they're also filled with knowledge. And I love this one because it doesn't mean that they know everything. It means that they have all of the knowledge that is necessary to know Jesus Christ and to make Him known. What's this whole book of Romans all about? It's about how you can know what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's what this whole book of Romans is about. You Gentiles, you're out there. You're not, you don't understand uh, all of this stuff that we're talking about as Jews. You don't understand propitiation. You don't understand sacrificial lambs. Uh, you don't understand uh, the, the calendar that we follow as Jews. Well, let me just tell you that everything points to Jesus Christ. Uh, and in Him, uh, we find the sacrifice that we need. In Him, we find the righteousness that we need. In Him is all knowledge and all truth uh, and those that love God are full of the knowledge of Jesus Christ Amen. they're like Paul and Silas right when they say silver and gold of a none but such as I have give I thee I don't have much but what I got I'll give it to you and that's Jesus Amen. that's Jesus they're full of knowledge and then number three notice it says they're also and this is where it gets really good they're also able to admonish one another they're able to help each other grow when we see one of our own growing and then making their own disciples wow we're like they got it they got it that's what we see in their life okay now we got to get into the heart of the message okay so I want you to notice these few things our premise we've got it down that if we are going to be persuaded in someone. I believe that Paul tells us in this some things that we need to do that we can make sure that we're persuaded of people, make sure that this is the type of relationship with Christ that they will have, and we're going to hit them real quick. Number one, okay, we are going to be ministers of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says right here in this thing, 
right where we're at already. Nevertheless, brethren, well, I'm going to go down. Oh, man, I didn't mark this one the way I marked the rest of them, and I absolutely hate it, but that's okay. For He says it over and over here, though, again. He says, I have therefore where I made is Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 18, for I will not dare to speak of anything except what Christ has wrought in me. And then he says also in verse number 19, I have strived to preach the gospel. It is a ministry of Jesus Christ. And here's where I really want to get into it. Verse number 16, now I got it. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying this. So the first thing that we are is we are a minister of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? It means that we're Jesus Christ to people. All of the things that we've already talked about. Hey, we heard the youth group sing it on Sunday morning. If we are the body. Hey, guess what? You are the body of Christ. You've already heard me preach this from our pulpit. When Jesus came and lived among us for 33 and a half years, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He was God incarnate in the flesh. And everywhere he went, he ministered as the agent for God on earth. He said, when I leave, I will leave my Holy Spirit. It will indwell the believer and you will be the body of Christ. Paul uses that illustration all throughout the New Testament. Are all of you the arms? Are all of you the eyes? If all of you were the eyes, then where would be the hearing? And he constantly refers to us as the body of Christ. We are, as the church together, as individuals who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are the tangible outworking of Jesus Christ, of God the Father in the world today. We are the ministers of Jesus Christ. It seems to have been popping up lately again the saying, hey, they might be the only Bible that they, that, that they will read will be you. I keep hearing people say that again. It, I, I've heard it all my life, I felt like, but all of a sudden I keep hearing it again. Not only is that true, but guess what? This is definitely true. There's going to be a lot of people that the only relation that they understand to Jesus Christ is you. Do you hear that? When they think of church, when they think of Jesus, when they think of religion... They're going to think of you. He's a Christian. He says he loves Jesus. How is that going to weigh for them? What kind of, what, how are you doing at being an ambassador for Jesus Christ? You are the minister of Jesus Christ. This is our job. This is what we are to do. Notice what Paul says about this in verse number 16. Uh, I am the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. What's that? The good news, right? We got it. That part's easy. That, keep reading it, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. That's weird, isn't it? Why is Paul painting a picture of sacrificial things? Why is Paul painting a picture that it's almost as if he were bringing these Gentile people to God as some sort of sacrifice towards God? Well, Paul is what he's talking about here is he's saying, I am filling a role as a minister to these people, as Jesus Christ fills as a minister, as part of the priestly duties that Christ did for us. And what are those priestly duties? To offer up our sacrifices. That's what they did in the Old Testament. They brought the, their sacrifice to the priest, and the priest made the sacrifice for them. 
We had no sacrifice that we could bring to God. So Jesus Christ did the work of a priest. And since we had nothing good to bring in the beginning, he gave up his own life and put it on air for us. And his righteousness became ours. He's our priest. And Paul says, I'm doing the same thing for the Gentiles. I'm coming in. I'm not taking over the role. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm not saying that I'm the only go-between between them. But what I am saying is I'm coming to them and I'm showing them and helping them understand what the sacrifices of God are. Romans 12 verse 1, right? He's helping them to understand what the sacrifices of God are. And as they make that sacrifice... I want to make sure that it's holy and acceptable to God. That's important, isn't it? Do you know there's a lot of people that serve religiously for the complete wrong reasons? Not only the wrong reasons, in the wrong ways. And they can be as sincere as they want, but there's one way to come to Jesus Christ, and that's through the blood of Jesus. That's it. Okay, it's not about how sincere you are. And, and Paul, uh, uh, yeah, Paul is saying right here, he's like, listen, I want their sacrifice to matter. How sad would that be if we stood in front of Christ and say, hey, we cast out demons in your name and we did many mighty works. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. How sad. And so he wants to make sure. And so he's doing that priestly work. Listen, we are here to tell a lost and dying world as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is one way to God and that's through Jesus Christ. That guess what? Despite what everybody else tells you out there, the only way to come to God and be satisfied with God is through sacrifice. And we want your sacrifice to matter. We want it to be real. We want it to be through Jesus Christ. We want you to have a full understanding of it. Man, I could keep preaching this one, um, but I want to keep moving as well. Uh, and so he's doing that. There's, there's quite a few things in this. I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. I'm, we, we have to fill that priestly role. We have to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, giving them that understanding. And basically that just means reconciling them to God. They do not, let's just face it, our world has no idea what it means to be reconciled to God. As a matter of fact, if I speak that way from the pulpit on a Sunday morning here at Nottingham, there's a good chance 25, 30% of the people in here don't understand what reconciled to God means. And we have to bring it to them so that they can come to a place where they can be made right with God. We've got to do that work as priests, bringing bringing this wonderful salvation to them. And also, and I'm not afraid to use this word like some people are, the religion that goes with it. I serve my God religiously. Amen. I do it every day. And I don't want to get mixed up on this or that. But, and I understand the whole relationship, religion argument. I get it. But we do this religiously. And it's still important for us to be found faithful. Man, I heard a great sermon about this, about Samuel. And Samuel, there's huge spots of his life where we don't know anything that he's doing. But the preacher that was preaching it said, I guarantee you he was being faithful. So that when God called on him in the big time, there was Samuel. 
He was faithful. I don't know what he was doing all them years, but he was faithful. And we religiously serve our God. We ought to get up. I, I'm, I'm getting into preaching mode now, and I'm trying to be in teaching mode. But we ought to get up and read the Bible every morning. We ought to get up and pray every morning, whether we feel like it or not. God is going to honor that. It's going to be a big part. Anyway, he's minister of Jesus Christ under that priestly rule. He is a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. I'm just going to say this and I'm going to keep moving. It's probably not his choice congregation. He is a Jew among Jews. He is probably not too concerned with what the Gentiles are doing or with their salvation. But God put that on his heart and God put that in front of him and he ministered to them faithfully. You might not get to pick who you get to minister to, okay? Amen. It's who God puts in front of you. And I'm going to hit that one in just a minute. It's who he puts in front of you. And then he is a humble minister. Look at verse number 18. Paul said, I'm not going to tell you about all the signs and wonders I did. I'm not going to tell you about all the things that God has done through me. I'm going to be very careful to make sure that I'm humble in my ministry, knowing that it is God through his son Jesus Christ that has worked this in me. This is God that's done this. I'm a minister of Jesus Christ, not of myself. Not of myself. Okay, that was the first one, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Number two, mighty signs and wonders. This one's not as long, so I'm not going to take as long with that. But if you'll notice this, Paul speaks about this. He says that God wrought through me many mighty signs and wonders. And, and I think that we're all of an understanding in here that God, through different dispensations of, uh, uh, of necessary, called upon men of God like the apostles and prophets like Elijah and Elisha, who were dealt uh, almost as it were a double portion of God's goodness because of the magnitude of the shift uh, in, the, in what God was doing. And so we see that from time to time. And I'm not going to stand up here and preach that we're going to apply this to the fact that now today, if we're not doing signs and wonders, that we really don't have it. I don't believe that at all. I will say this, though, and I want this to stick into our hearts and minds, that God is a mighty God, and His Holy Spirit works in mighty ways. And guess what? It is good to be around when the Holy Spirit is working. It's good to be around when the Holy Spirit gives peace where there was no peace before. It's good to be around when we see God doing things that we could never expect to be done. And the Holy Spirit is powerful and mighty. And if we're going to have those works which are going to absolutely, which are going to bring to it some significance of what God is doing, right? They bring to bear, because we already know that we do this. And this is important as well. We have to be really careful, that because we understand this. When God is working, and we see that, we can't always explain it, can we? But we go, God is working in this, and I'm going to be careful on how I critique it. Right? Yeah. Anyway, I got to keep preaching. There's about, I'm going to kind of refer to that one as we get done when we end. But anyway, mighty in signs and wonders. Number three, making new paths. This is a tough one for us Baptists. We stay in the old paths. Amen? But he is making new paths. Look at verse number 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ is named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. I just want to stop and say this. This still 
should be the, the striving goal of every church to figure out where is Christ not known and not named. And I'm going to go back to our definition of knowledge at the very beginning. They might know the name of Jesus Christ, but they have no idea what it means to actually put faith and trust with him, have uh, redemption quality applied to their life. All of that stuff is foreign to them. And so it should be our goal to find those people who do not know what Jesus Christ can do for them. We should be looking for them. We should be looking to find new ways to get that information to them. We should be looking to find new ways to interact with those people. We should be constantly on the lookout as the body of Christ to say, where can we take the gospel that it has not been before? Where can we take it? Where can we go with it next? Because the gospel needs to go all talk. We've already established this from Romans right from the beginning. It is for all people for all time. Amen. And so we've got to figure out how to get it to them. And we should be striving for that. Paul said, I was striving for that. I was looking for that place. He said, I'm still looking for that place. i got to make a trip back to Jerusalem to handle some business with God's people. And man, there's so much good stuff in that as well. He's like, but right after that, I'm headed to Spain. And you know what probably most of these people were going, what in the world is Spain? You ought to do a little bit of research about it. They were like, literally, basically what he's saying is I'm going to the, to the, the end of the world. I'm going to the place where this is as far as we know that there is world. That's where I'm going. And I'm going to share the gospel. But anyway, we're striving to make new paths. Number four. Maintaining our faith in the divine providence of God. This is a big one. This is a big one. I'm trying to get done, but someone told me not to worry about time. I'll tell you who that is after church, and you can blame him. Uh, go to verse number 22. Notice what Paul says here. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. If you go back and recap the story as Paul's telling it, Paul's like, guys, I've been wanting to come to you. I'm persuaded of who you are. I've been so, I've so longed to come to Rome. And I want to preach the gospel there. And I want to see all of you. And he's saying, but things just keep getting in the way. Things just keep getting in the way. He's a busy guy, Paul. He's got a lot of places to go. The Holy Spirit is divinely putting together his schedule. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. Paul says in here, he used the words, I have been much hindered from coming to you. Hindered is a word that means bothered or taken about. It means, it means I, I wanted to go there, but there's just been stuff that I didn't want to deal with, but I've had to go and I've had to do it. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. If there is, not, if there is one man in the world, I'm not even going to say the Bible, but in the world, that we would have to say that his steps, like every one of them, were divinely appointed by God is Paul, right? I mean, I'm just saying. He's the guy that's on the Damascus Road and Jesus Christ shows up because this guy's got to get saved, okay? He's got to get saved. I'm not going to argue with you right now about irresistible grace or any of that stuff. I'm just saying, Jesus Christ himself showed up so Paul would get saved. After he had gone and ascended to heaven, it's a big deal, okay? Paul's a big deal. 
And not only that, after Paul gets saved, it's like everywhere Paul goes, God is moving and God is working and God is putting it there. But you also get an idea from Paul's point of view that Paul's going, I keep trying to do this, but I can't. I keep trying to go over there and preach, but I can't. I am hindered in all that I've been doing and I'm not sure absolutely and I don't want to stretch this out too much but I do believe in some ways Paul had some frustration in his heart saying I want to be with you but stuff just keeps happening but everything in his life God had divinely appointed everything the shipwrecks the stonings the beatings Every bit of it, God had put him exactly where he needed to be. And he is going to come to Rome. Not the way that he thinks he's going to come to Rome, but he's going to come to Rome. And even that is exactly how God wanted that to happen as well. And I want you to go back and think about the things that we've already been talking about. Because Paul says, I want to be there preaching to you but I'm right here right now. And this is who's in front of me. And I'm going to preach the gospel to them. And I'm going to pour into them with everything that I have. And I'm going to minister to them the gospel of Jesus Christ with everything that is within me. Now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Paul's saying, it might not be who I want it to be. It might not be my favorite people. But this is who God put in front of me. And I am going to minister and pour him. Why? Because God put them there. I want to be careful when I say this. Because I want us to pray for our lost loved ones. I do. But I also want us to be aware of who God is putting in front of us. Because sometimes I think we get focused on things and we miss and it's not that God doesn't want to save those it, it just might not be the timing yet for that and because of our zeal in the wrong place and, and that we think God is not working we almost are showing a lack of trust in what God is doing where God is saying will you please minister to what I have put in front of you and show me faithful that might do more for that lost loved one. That might do more for that lost neighbor than you would ever have any imagined that it would do. Because we have a difficult time showing the love of Christ to those that we're closest to. You get that, right? We do. But what they might see is us demonstrating the love of Christ to someone else. Maybe even a stranger. And that might all of a sudden click in their mind and go, wow. What is going on? What is taking place? Minister, because your, your steps are divine. I know, I know some days you might feel like there's no way that God has put your day together. And if he has put your day together, you're pretty upset with him, right? I thought that way the other day when I was changing a flat tire on 896. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't know how this is your will, God, but I don't really like it too much. You know? That was just part of a day anyway. But... But you know what I'm saying when it just, it's thing after thing and you're like, God, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do this for you and I wanted to do this for you. But all this stuff keeps coming up and God is saying, will you look at what I, 
Will you be in the present? Will you value the now? Will you stop and take stock in what I am doing right now? Because there might be somebody or something right in front of you that needs you right now. And will we minister to it? So, if we want to see, so there we go, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm wrapping it up, and I'm going to end it just like this. What was our premise? That if we see the love of Christ, if we are persuaded of someone's salvation and relationship with Christ, it is one of the most, and I don't ever want to use the most, but it is one of the most satisfying and joyful things we can experience. And if we are going to do that, we are going to need to be ministers of Jesus Christ, doing things mighty with signs and wonders. I'm not talking about goofy stuff. I'm talking about that the Holy Spirit is evident in your life. I'm going to tell you that we're going to be people who are making new paths, and we are going to maintain that what God is doing is where God wants me right now, that his divine providence is still at play. Now listen at this, and this is the flip side, and I'll be done because it, it also speaks volumes of this. If I do not do those four things that I clearly see given to me in this passage of Scripture, then guess what? I'm going to make it about me and my power to make that happen. I am going to be stuck in a rut because there will be no power in what I am doing. There's no Holy Ghost power when I'm, when I'm trying to do it myself. And it will be frustrating and it will feel terrible. I will feel constantly like I'm in the wrong place because I do not understand the divine providence of God as well. And I want you to stop this evening, and as we close out this message, just ask yourself those three questions, especially the last two. Is there power in what I am doing? Is God's stamp of approval on it with signs and wonders? And again, I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm just talking about answered prayer. Remember in, in the, when he tells us, he's like, how do you know that your prayers have been answered, or that you're in God's will? Because your prayers have been answered. That things are, God is moving on your behalf. And then, do you constantly feel like you're just in the wrong place? God does not want you to, he does not have you in the wrong place. There's no way. If you are a born-again believer and you're in the word of God, the will of God is, and I cannot get into that tonight, but we get so hung up that it's this little specific thing, but it's not. God is doing with you what he wants to do with you. He is doing, he is directing your life. He has put you in that place. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Lord, we thank you for the word of God tonight. Dear Lord, it's powerful, it's sharp, and uh, it does more than we could ever imagine. Dear Lord, tonight as we look at this passage of scripture, and, and we're looking at it and we're like, Paul, Paul, he's signing out, but man, how he is signing out. And dear God, we think about it. Paul looks at those believers in Rome and says, I'm fully persuaded of you, and it brings joy to his heart. Do we desire that kind of joy in our own life? To see our, our loved ones loving our Jesus, to see all of those things being true in their life. Dear God, look at, help us to look at that and understand those things are required. And help us this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond.
to make a wretched stranger. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin 